Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. On the show this week, we hear from the All Blacks coach, Steve Hansen, who's been reappointed until the next World Cup. We take a look at the New Zealand Breakers as they head into Game 2 of the Grand Final Series, which could secure them a third straight Australian Basketball League title. The Silver Ferns coach, Waito Monu, shares her views on the umpiring controversy that's gripped the early rounds of the Trans-Tasman Netball Championship. The Chiefs captain, Liam Messam, talks about the Super Rugby season so far and leading his team to a defence of its title. And a board member of New Zealand cricket, Don McKinnon, explains the body's new draft constitution in the face of stinging criticism from former players. The All Blacks coach Steve Hansen has been rewarded for a successful first season by having his contract extended until after the 2015 Rugby World Cup. In his first season in charge, the All Blacks lost just one of their 14 tests, while Hansen also began laying the foundations for rebuilding the team by introducing nine new caps. He told Stephen Hewson he accepts he could be faced with letting some of his ageing side go this year. It's one of the, the, the balls we have to juggle, isn't it? Like we've got a lot of quality uh, players uh, who are pretty desperate to go to the World Cup in 2015. The reality is that not all of them will make it. Some will, some won't. Now, right now, we don't know who the some are that will and who the some are that won't. We, 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 we can take some guesses, but we don't want to turn those guys off because uh, you know, their experience and their abilities if they can maintain it, are going to be invaluable to us. But what we have to be prepared to do is work our way underneath and have ready replacements. Uh, and and that, that's going to see us do things over the next 12 to 24 months subtly different. Are you able to say how that might pan out? Uh, no, not at this stage, but yeah, it'll, be, it'll become clearer as things go on. Have any of those senior players indicated to you that they won't or don't intend to be there in 2015? No, which is great. You know, they've all they, they've all got a desire to be there, and and that tells me that you know they're still passionate about what they're doing, and, and they've they've got the hunger to, to do it. Uh, but it's three years away, so again, that's just an ongoing process of checking how how genuinely hungry they are, because it's going to be a mammoth task to recapture it. It's not it's never been done before. So you're going to need people who are desperate to win it, as we were desperate to win uh, in 2011. Uh, you know? Might the rugby public be surprised as to who you see as moving into that potential leadership group from the less experienced players that are now coming through? Um, I don't know that they'll be surprised, but the, I think they'll understand that the easy thing would be to, to replace you know, the, the, the guys we've got with 50 test match players, but... I think we have to be a little bit more clever than that and, and, and try and forecast into the future and say, right, well, maybe this guy's only played five test matches, but he's going to be a big player for us and he has the mental capacity to be a big decision-maker in the moment. And, and again, that's, you know, you're taking a punt, uh, but you're backing your instincts and, 
you know, over a long period of time, the group that we have have got developed some pretty good instincts. So uh, hopefully we get it right. You set the bar high for yourself in, in 2013, given the, the results you had in 2012. That is a challenge in itself. Yeah, well, where we set it last year is not good enough now. We have to readjust it, and, and that's the way it is. That's how you get better. If, if, you're, if you're happy where you are, you sit down and you get run over by the big bus that's coming behind you, and everyone else is getting better. So if we want to stay in front, we have to get better. And, and I, you know, I think our, our New Zealand uh, sportsmen uh, and women actually thrive on that. You know, being, being the little guy, little country... Uh, we like the idea of, of trying to be better all the time and, and it sits well with the All Blacks. Um, there's huge expectations on them all the time but most of the, the expectations uh, come from within. That's All Blacks coach Steve Hansen talking to Stephen Hewson. The All Blacks' first assignment for the year is a three-test home series against France in June. The New Zealand Breakers have the chance to seal a record-equalling third straight Australian National Basketball League title when they face their arch-rivals, the Perth Wildcats, in Game 2 of the Grand Final Series. The Breakers have beaten the Wildcats in the past two Grand Final playoffs. Richard Wayne reports. They are calling it the three-peat, and it's a feat only one other club's ever achieved in the league's history. The Sydney Kings scoring the hat-trick of titles from 2002 to 2005. The Breakers swingman Tom Abercrombie is under no illusions just how tough it's going to be to seal their third straight championship on Perth's home court. We're close now, which is very exciting. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we can taste it now. So we're pretty hungry and excited to have the opportunity to get it done in two, but it's going to take nothing short of a huge effort. The Wildcats beat the Breakers in both their regular season matches in Perth by an average of 20 points. And while the champions had a relatively straightforward victory in Game 1 last week at Vector Arena, the Breakers coach Andre Lamanis knows his side has to step up. It's all about the mental state right now. Going in with the right mindset, obviously Perth's going to play with a desperation and an urgency that uh, a team that's playing for their life is going to play with. Particularly in Perth, they always play well in front of their home crowd, so we need to be able to match that energy and urgency. The Perth forward and former breaker Sean Redditch says the Wildcats were uncharacteristically off the pace last week, but there's two finals left to put that right. Thankfully it's a three-game series and we got game two to rectify ourselves, and I think that was, that was the main message amongst the group, that look, we've, we've worked this hard all season long. We had an uncharacteristic game for, for our standards, but we got two games to rectify the game could be Breakers veteran Dylan Boucher's last for the Auckland club, but the retiring foundation player is expecting a far bigger challenge from the Wildcats at Perth Arena, thanks especially to some harsh words from the Perth coach. Rob Beveridge just called them out and you know he said they didn't play Perth Wildcats basketball, so we're expecting a, an extremely hard battle. It's going to be a physical game, they're going to throw everything at us, they've got nothing to lose and their backs are against the wall, so we're expecting a totally different outfit over there and we'll have to be better to be able to win this game too. It could also be the American import Cedric Jackson's final game for the Breakers. The star guard and league MVP is hoping to get back to America's NBA. Breakers benchman Corey Webster is also keen for Dylan Boucher to go out a champion again. That is a huge thing. We want to send Dylan out the right way. It'll be great for him to retire on the championship and everyone in the squads, you know, doing it for him, not also just for themselves and their families and the, and the breakers, also for him to send him off right. And obviously for Cedric, you know, hopefully he does take his talents to the NBA and we want to send him off the right way too. The Wildcats are missing their star guard, Damian Martin, through injury. But Boucher says they have the roster to get the job done and send the series back to a Game 3 in Auckland.
They knew they were going to miss him. He's their starting point guard, he's their linchpin, he's their defensive leader and you know he's the one who spearheads a lot of what they do out there. You know, I think any time you lose a player that's that influential for a team, there's going to be a big hole to fill. But you know, to say that they can't fill that hole has been ridiculous. You know, they've got plenty of good players out there that can easily fill that void. But the Breakers are recognised as having the deepest roster in the ANBL, and the champions bench may well be the difference across the 40 minutes. This is Richard Wayne. You're listening to Extra Time. The Silver Ferns coach, Waito Monu, has waded into the debate over the standard of umpiring in the Trans-Tasman netball competition, saying it's not as consistent as last year. Several players and coaches have complained about the umpiring in the opening rounds, prompting competition officials to remind teams about their obligations under the Code of Conduct regulations. Stephen Hewson spoke to Timonu about the performance of the New Zealand teams after the opening rounds of the competition that has defending champions, the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic, the only New Zealand side currently in the top six. The Pulse and the Steel look to me like two teams who have a lot of um, ability, but they are not their new, their new lineups. And the teams that um, seem to be doing well, the Firebirds, the, um, the Thunderbirds, um, the Magic, are lineups where there's a lot more stability than I think to a couple of New Zealand teams have. So I think that's affected them. Um, there was no pre-season tournament to iron out some of those kinks for, um, particularly for the New Zealand teams this year. So uh, they are looking a little um, not as not with the same level of understanding as some of the Australian teams. So that, that's um, hindering us, but it's early days. You think there's enough time for them to come up to speed uh, over the over the season? Look, that's always um, a difficult one. Um, this time last year, I was very worried that the Magic were in the same boat. They um, had to put a new goal attack and a new wing attack in and a new wing defence, and they were looking as though they had that lack of understanding, and then they um, overcame all of the um, all of my um, uh, hesitation about them and, and really grew into a great uh, a great group. So, you know, it's only two or three games in for most of them now, so I've, I'm going to wait and see and, and remain optimistic. That's the combinations you feel. That's the been the I suppose the the sticking point has it as opposed to anything else. Yes, I think so. I think people just don't you know the, the combinations. So um, we've got a new shooter down at Steel, um, and that combination is taking a little while to gel. We've got a new goal attack wing attack at the pulse, and again that combination is taking a little while to gel, and, and that's to be expected. And then up against combinations that have been together for played together for a little bit longer, particularly the Midhurst Aiken link, um, and the Thunderbirds link is looking pretty strong too. Um, the link that's uh, um, also quite good, but I haven't seen as much of them, would be the Vixens one. And um, despite the loss, um, the Magic had played some beautiful netball in the, in the first two rounds. What have you made about the, the physicality of it? Has it looked many different to you? Uh, it hasn't. Um, having said that, I only could see the Perth uh, Magic game on television, and it would seem for what the commentators were saying, there was a lot of stuff off the ball. Um, I was surprised that um, Sue Gordian... Um, was tentatively, but in the end agreed with um, some of Irene's comments. So clearly there was stuff going on off the ball that we weren't able to see on the television. Because for Irene to say that, it's must, well, there must have been something going on. She's not doesn't usually make such a strong statement on things. Not publicly, no. Um, she has been um, pushed and, and thumped around a little bit before in the past. Uh, so clearly there is, is some issue there, and, and I'd like to have a chat with her, but. It is hard to, for the viewing public to see what's going on um, when you're only following the ball. Clearly, from what the commentators said, there was stuff going on off the ball that we weren't able to see. When you talk to her, would you talk to her about how to cope with that? Would that be part of the discussions? Oh, look, Stephen, she, she's in the magic group, and I've 
huge faith with her coaches, Tanya and Nolene. So, no, it's just really just getting some clarification about what's going on off the ball so that um, we can have some learnings going into um, July and August for our own preparation. Uh, umpiring, um, usual talk there, but, but do you, I mean, does there need to be more, I suppose, sort of cross-pollination, more sort of maybe Australian umpires coming and umpiring games here and, and vice versa? Yes, that would be ideal, but I'm also aware that in the real world that we live in, all of those umpires are volunteers and that they all have jobs, and it's not as easy to say as it is. It's much easier to say than to do it. Um, I think there is a lot of um, discussion across the um, across the Tasman, um, and there are some new umpires in the competition this year, and uh, just as it is for players, for umpires to come into that level of competition and the level of physicality that they encounter that they won't have seen anywhere else. Um, that's quite difficult. So I think we have to be a little bit patient um, with the newer ones in particular who are just coming into this league until they find their feet. You, you might have thought that given the competition's been going for a few years now, that the, the umpiring differences might have come closer together as we see in, in, in rugby, where you're sort of the South African, Australian, New Zealand refereeing is, is now much closer together because of the involvement of the, the different teams and styles in, in a competition of this nature. Oh, you would have thought so, Stephen, and certainly I thought so last year. Um, I thought there was, by the end of the season, um, much less difference, I thought, in the interpretations, but I think we have lost a couple of senior umpires, particularly here, so that we've been bringing some new ones in, and as I say, it takes time for those new ones to adjust. The Silver Ferns coach, Waitamonu, talking to Stephen Hewson. The Chiefs are back in action this weekend after enjoying a bye in the Super Rugby competition that keeps them top of the standings. The defending champions have won five of their six matches and this weekend face the Queensland Reds. Captain Liam Messam, who brought up his 100th game for the franchise earlier this season, says the Chiefs have done OK in the first part of the competition, but now it's time to step up. Yeah, I'm oh, happy to, to come with the points that we do have. Um, I think the way we've performed, we're, we're probably not so happy. Um, we sort of sort of grinded out a few wins, which is, is a pleasing thing, but, uh, you know, we want to be finishing things off, and uh, we're not far off as a team, and we feel that. It's just a little bit frustrating, uh, I guess, the, the errors that we have been making. What about the coaches this year, into their second year now? You know, has it been a bit different at all this year? Uh, yeah, they've put a lot of more pressure on, on the players, I guess, to, to back up from, from what the 2012 team set. Um, that team sort of sets real strong foundations for, for this franchise moving forward, and uh, I guess it's up to us now to live by those standards and the coaches have really been, been driving that message and they're making sure that everyone's still on the A game. And everyone has been stepping up, do you think? Um, slowly, slowly uh, we're getting there. Um, we're probably not at the place where we want to be, like I said before. So uh, we're looking for the next sort of block of games and uh, we can really look, look forward to, to moving our game forward and, and being better. So how do you achieve that? Is that like a mental thing or working together or what? Yeah, it's, it's uh, mental and skilled as well. It's uh, when the pressure comes on in, in the game is uh, making sure that we can apply pressure in the right areas and then come away with points. And uh, at the moment, we're just, uh, you know, making a few handling errors, leaving teams off the hook where we could actually uh, put them under the pump. So making sure we learn from, from those lessons and, uh, and apply them into our next game. And the Reds this week, they also had the bye. Your thoughts on them? Yeah, they'll be refreshed and ready to go as well. And, uh, you know, they've been going awesome uh, this season. They've sort of slowly built up just like ourselves. So hopefully two two teams that want to go out there and throw the ball around on Saturday. Yourself and the way you're playing, um, you know, you're the, the test incumbent now. How do you feel it's going for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of happy with my form. It's, uh, it's taken a while for us to get there. Um, I wasn't expecting to, to light the world up in the start of the season. But slowly building off into my season. And that's why, you know, hopefully keep going 
growing away, reaching each other, and building my game. So uh, you think uh, we can see the Chiefs perhaps just sort of um, turn the heat up, starting perhaps this week? Uh, well, that's, uh, that's the plan, mate, and uh, we've made, uh, made the other boys aware of that as leaders uh, to make sure that we, we step our game up, not just when we play, but our trainings and everything we do, recovery, uh, gym, fitness, that we really start lifting it up. And uh, we've got a bit of block of games coming up and uh, come away with, a, with some good ones there and we, uh, we know we'll be good going into our next fight. That was the Chiefs captain, Liam Messam, talking to Barry Guy for extra time. One of the architects of a proposed new constitution drafted for New Zealand cricket says it's a brave step in response to some stinging criticism of the game's administration. Several former international players have been critical of lack of playing experience on the current board and the governing body has included among its recommendations that in future all board members will be elected, none will be simply appointed and vacancies will be advertised publicly. Current board member Don McKinnon, who's been involved in drawing up the new constitution, told Stephen Hewson he hopes it will go some way to appeasing the critics. The major associations in particular had a, a major say in what we've come up with and what we've changed. Uh, so that, um, you know, at the end of the day, they're the main members of New Zealand cricket. Uh, they really support the, both the initiative to put the constitution on the line and to come up with a new one, uh, and also the you know, the, the whole push for a new document and the way we're looking to redraft or reconstruct the board. You've got, or the draft constitution recommends, up to eight members, all of whom would have to go through an appointment process with an appointments committee and get a 50% vote at the, at the AGM. Correct. So obviously you have no appointed directors. That, that's somewhat different to, to what many sports have, including the likes of the New Zealand Rugby Union. It is, although it's it, to be perfectly honest, it's probably a, a you know another step further than most sports have gone because the reality is that the entire board could effectively be made up of appointed members. So, put it bluntly, every role gets advertised, every role is open to the public as well as to the members to nominate. So, unlike rugby and unlike most sports where there is a split between member-only representatives on the board uh, and independent directors. Um, in order to get the best board, cricket's actually gone to a fairly radic- radical level here of actually saying every position is open to the best candidate. Although, would there be some concern over the, the say that an appointments committee might have? Because that's well, obviously c- coming up the shortlist, which then advances, and presumably only those that that appointments committee recommends are going to get a shot at um, going towards the AGM and a vote there. Yeah, that's correct. And I think you'll find that's, that's the way with most uh, national sports organisations. Um, but again, to get round that and to make sure that the appointments panel is genuinely representative, uh, we've moved to a, a proposed model where three of the five members of that appointments panel are major association chairmen. So again, the members are in control of that process. Um, we'll use people from Sport New Zealand, we'll use uh, a nominee from the current board, not, not a board member, but a nominee, uh, to give some balance. But at the end of the day, what we've tried to do is, is put the members in charge of the election process. What's been the most, I suppose, critical point in this and created the most debate? Probably um, the appointed elected split. Uh, and we're really happy where we got to in the end on, on that point. And also the role of the appointments panel and whether or not we, we got to a, a situation at an AGM or an SGM where there are multiple candidates and effectively a, a politicised election. 
uh, and the clear view of the major associations and indeed New Zealand cricket was that that isn't something we wanted to end up with. We don't think that's helpful. We actually think it scares off good candidates. And what we've tried to do here is come up with a system whereby most of that's done in front of the appointments panel, but the appointments panel is owned by and dominated by our members. So if there were, for instance, two vacancies, it w- the appointments panel would only be putting up two possible candidates? Uh, after interviewing all applicants, that's correct. At the end of the day, though, the members have the right to then turn around and say, no, we don't, uh, we don't support one of those two, uh, back to the drawing board. And uh, that could easily happen. How's the board, the current board, taken the criticism that's, that's been levelled at it over, over recent time? It's been fairly brutal to be blunt, um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, the buck stops with the board, uh, and while we can sit there and disagree with a lot of that criticism, and we do, um, at the end of the day, we're the governors of New Zealand cricket, and uh, the, the, the solution of having a new constitution um, and saying to the members, uh, elect the new board, support those who are restanding if you choose to, don't if you don't believe in them or don't support them. I think is a, is a really satisfactory way for our members to, to, to move forward from, from what's occurred. Because the board's copped a lot of criticism for sort of effectively being asleep at the wheel over the whole saga of the past few months, hasn't it? It certainly has. Uh, and to be perfectly blunt, um, a lot of that I think is pretty misinformed and, and unfair. But... So, so as a board, board member, though, how do you... I mean, there obviously have been problems, and therefore as a board member... That must be a concern. Well, look, we we want both not just our direct members, but the cricketing community to be fully behind cricket. Um, The last um, period for cricket has obviously been unsatisfactory. Um, No one can deny that. And, you know, there is no point diving back into the rights or wrongs of any of that. Um, What we've decided to do, I think, quite bravely and quite rightly, is to put the, the whole system back under scrutiny of our members um, and give them the chance to make changes if, if that's what they want. Yeah, but it's been a, it, I won't deny it, it's been a pretty torrid time. I have probably the added disadvantage of being a relative newcomer to the board, um, so uh, you sort of felt that you, uh, you walk straight into a, into a major crisis. Um, but what I would say is that there's some very good people on our board. Um, I know our, ma- our major associations have made it very clear in the last week uh, just how strongly they support the quality of the board and the quality of our CEO. Uh, so, um, yes, it's been torrid. Yes, mistakes have been made. No one's resigning from that. Uh, but uh, what we're looking to do now is put in a system that will deliver a really good board, the best possible candidates. Um, and if our members don't want any current uh, board members to, to be re-elected, they're going to have uh, every opportunity to make that change. How difficult is it? As a director, and when you see the goings-on that have been, which essentially come down to operational matters. Oh, look, it's very difficult. And, and uh, you know, a lot of stuff occurs behind the scenes between a board uh, and its CEO and its uh, senior management team to address uh, why things have gone wrong. Uh, there's so much heat coming on this organisation. As I say, a lot of it, I think, rather unfairly, but that, that's what it is. The board has then taken the pretty brave decision, in my view, to say, OK, we will put our own heads on the block. And, you know, uh, we can be criticised for many things, but I don't think we can be criticised for doing that. New Zealand Cricket Board member Don McKinnon talking to Stephen Hewson. That's extra time for this week. If you'd like to share your feedback about anything in the show, please send an email to sport at radionz.co.nz. The Radio New Zealand sports team will bring you more sports news and views in next week's edition. I'm Ben Robinson. Thanks for listening. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.